CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 19th, about a week later than we should have had episode 313, uh, which, you know, if if those of you who don't know, um, Ferber and I recorded probably the best episode of the show ever, and uh, the memory card on the recorder ate it. Um and then I tested it, and everything was fine. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if you ever hear this. I guess this is like one of those weird, like, you know, in case of emergency, break glass situations. Hopefully, you, all of these jokes don't make any sense to you because it all worked fine. Um, tonight, we will, t- we will answer some of the questions that we owed you in fake episode 313. Um, and we will uh, also talk about um, Virginia getting Reese Beekman. We'll talk about tomorrow night's NBA draft as we record this. Going to be a big night, we think, for the for the Wahoos and and certainly probably the most anticipated draft, I would say in Virginia basketball history. Um, but I'm sure some person will yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, up in Fishersville, David Spence, who was not on fake episode three thirteen, is on real episode three thirteen. How are you, my friend? Yeah, clearly, I needed to be here, so I'm glad I'm here this week. The old head has to come make sure the young boys take care of business. Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? I'm, I'm offended. Um, and up in uh, Reston, Justin Ferber is back on the show, uh, as he was last week, even if you didn't get a chance to hear it. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, is this thing on? Like, literally? <laughs> is this thing on? Maybe we've just reached singularity, where, like, everything that can be said has been said, and, like, you know, the, the system is just rejecting us because they feel like we've already recorded the episode or something like that. <laughs> Add <laughs> Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Recording is optional. At uh, Cavs underscore uh, underscore corner on Twitter. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and me apologizing for not uh, producing a, an audio file. How long do you think it'll be before I give up beating myself up for this? I I, I wish I had a I wish I had a meeting. It would have been much easier just to take the week off and then tell people. No, <laughs> no, because we, we had already done the thing. I, well, I, I, what? <laughs> Come on, Dave. What are you trying to give everything away? <laughs> No, it was I like, literally thought that. I was like, watch, Dave's probably going to think we didn't record and came up with this elaborate plan to say that we did. <laughs> and But no, we did. I can. I promise you we did. We did, and it was actually a very good show. I, it, it was a good – I remember we were both like, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. And I yeah. The show. Because we really – I mean, it, this is the dead period, so – I just want you to know, was. When, I, when I took the memory card out of the recorder um, and put it into the card reader and popped the thing into my computer – and opened the file, and it said that the file was created in March of 1969. Immediately, I started to sweat because I, I typically that's a you know the default. I don't know if you ever noticed that or not, but like that's the default date that computers will give you if something is not good. Um, and then, like I said, is I, that like they were like preparing to land on the moon? I don't have any idea. So I have no idea like, why that's the date. That if you recorded it this time, then you're not yeah, getting. A I don't know. Uh, all right, so just we, a nice year. We That's couldn't we couldn't pretend because yeah, we had already nice, yeah. we'd already told people to give us questions. That would have been honestly the best ruse in the history of ruses, though. If if like part of our plan to take the week off was that we were going to get all these people to invest their time and energy into asking us questions, and then lo and behold, we don't record the show. That would that's just that's just dastardly, man. That's mean. Um, Ferber, you have a couple of questions. You and I will tackle them. Uh, maybe Dave will pipe in where appropriate but give us a few of them and and and, and again my apologies okay. for not having answered these last uh, week i don't know if they're all going to be the same or not but um i'll just run through them uh at who dog on twitter named edward apparently 
Uh, who do you project will be the top three scores for next season, and how many do you think they'll how, how many players do you think will average double digits? Also, what are your thoughts on the twenty game schedule? I'll go first. Uh, top three scores, I'll say uh, Mamadi, Casey Morcel, and Wolda Tensi. Um, I think that. I think Mamni will get to double figures. I don't think he'll lead the team in scoring, though. Um, I think one of the other two guys will. Um, I will say Will Detensi leads the team in scoring with, like, 13 a game-ish. It's hard for me to say. And then Morcel, I think, will get to around 10. Um, and then with 20-game schedule, I like more ACC games. Uh, you just have to be a little bit more careful with how you schedule the non-conference because – um, you want to have some challenges in there, but the 20 game ACC schedule makes them a little less important. Yeah, I agree. I think you're you're right on the top three. I th- I don't know where Mominy's going to stack up in that. I, I think he should be, you know, one of the top three, and I would imagine he's going to be third. But that's mainly I'm basing that on having watched Virginia not be able to have a post score really with any consistency yeah. since Anthony Gill. And but that's something honestly, gotta, that's not that's not uncommon for all of college basketball, though. I mean, like rarely do big men lead teams in school. Like I had to do all these previews; it's almost always guards, right? Because you know they got the ones in the balls in there. Um, I will say I like the I like the schedule. I, I like playing games earlier. Um, I I think there are a lot of people who are like, "Whoa, you're gonna open?" No, I don't care. Like, if you're good, you're gonna be good. And if if this means more opportunities to play good teams, I'm good with it. Um, I, I it's not like Virginia was gonna schedule. You know, these dramatic home and homes with like, you know, Kentucky or whoever, whoever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would much rather give up a game against like Bob's University to see him play an extra ACC team or two. You know what I mean? Like, I just, exactly. that's, that's just where I am. What you got? What else you got? Dave, you want to answer that? No, one? we're not letting Dave answer that. One. I mean, I mean, no, I'll, I'll quickly say, I'm not going to do the 20 game thing, but I will say I think Mommy leads us in scoring like 15, 16 a game. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Dave's on record. Good deal. Okay, uh, Stuart uh, at Stuspeth on Twitter asks, eight days ago, <laughs> is it is it late is it late August yet? Do you think the ACC Network's early conference games are good for the Who's for the ACC? I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I think that the early game, I think Bronco. If you read Jeff White's thing today or yesterday, if you're listening to this. I think that he kind of summed it up. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Good in the fact that, you know, it's an early test and it's good for the exposure of the network and the conference and all that. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're going right into the fire and you might not have everything completely settled. And, and you know, sometimes that, that FCS game to open the slate kind of gives you an idea of how things look without all the pressure. Um, obviously, in 2016, that did not work out. But, I mean, I, I think Pitt is going to be a tough challenge and it's on the road so it's it's interesting but it's definitely good for the network to kind of get out there and have some meaningful games in week one um and uh i know that they're trying to promote you know the the entire league so i think it's good to have uva part of that i uh i think i'm going to concur with everything you just said and we can go to the next question okay um Uh, I don't want to read the Twitter handle because it's a bunch of letters and numbers, but Clark asks, why does at Cavs Corner always say thanks for coming out like we're at some live event? Uh, so, we definitely answered this one. Yeah, that's week. true. Uh, so um, the, the, the short answer is that when I started the podcast, I really liked two things that I, that I heard. When Bomani Jones was on the radio back in Raleigh, he used to open his show. Um, he wouldn't do the welcome everyone thing, but he would say um, – 
you know, such and such with Bomani Jones. I just thought that his opening was good, and so I kind of cribbed from that. And then, I don't know, I was a Def Comedy Jam fan, and I liked how Russell Simmons would come out at the end and say, thank you all for coming out, God bless, and good night. And I just thought it was cool, and so I just borrowed it the first time or two that we did it, and it kind of stuck. Um, it's not something I put a whole lot of thought into, but it certainly, you know, it, it works. It worked the first podcast because we were out. Yeah, that's true. Was it live? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I wish, you know, in, in hindsight, this is now twice I've answered that question, and neither time did I think to myself, oh, yeah, that's right. The first time we did that, I actually was out, so it would have been, you know, appropriate. But anyway, no, just the, just the thing I like to say. Is that the same question that I – there was another question we got. Basically, somebody asked me to change the, um, the intro music. The music, yeah, I don't, I don't see that one actually. Oh, maybe he deleted it. But yeah, I mean, you you explain why you're not going to do that. Yeah, so. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to change the uh, the intro music unless it's a special occasion, like they win the national freaking championship. I mean, if uh, if uh, Francesco Badoki releases like a, a single, then it's maybe not, it's a fire, just just straight fire. Yeah, maybe then. There was that one if time Virginia, when you or Drizzo or at, or at Drizzo beats on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, would you say, Dave? Virginia Tech, if Virginia beats Virginia Tech this year, can you at least change it for that one? Oh god! <laughs> sure, Dave. If Virginia yeah. beats Virginia Tech in football, I will change the intro to the podcast, and I'll even there let you, go. you, you made, choose. You've made everyone happy tonight, Brad. All right. What, what's the Glad. next one, Ferber? Give me like two more. If, if they get to hear this. Um, if they get to hear. This. Uh, Elijah Williamson asked, "Do you think we'll see more of the NASCAR packages here in football due to added depth?" Uh, I think. Did we figure out is that offense or defense? I think that means offense, right? I, see, I, think I thought he meant because I've always talked about the NASCAR package in terms of the defense. you know Elliot Brown yeah, and yes, that yes. group, but you could we I think we answered it both ways. We probably should. But again. you wouldn't run that. You wouldn't run that package on like first down, regardless of depth, because that's a that's a pure pass rushing defense. Right. Like, yeah, I think it you does. Don't, you it don't does do that defense. on running downs. Um, let's say, let's answer the question both ways. I think you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot of tweaks, especially with these young kids being able to play four games and not count against their red shirt. Um, I expect that you're going to see a bunch of dudes on defense, and I don't mean that in the like you know, be a dude Boston College way. I mean that in terms of, like, Bronco is really good at getting kids together earlier. To to Justin's point about Jeff White's piece, which I think everybody should definitely check out, the fact that the kids are getting into Charlottesville earlier this summer than they have the past two, I think is indicative of them, you know, prob- probably being further along. And so the I would I would imagine that you're going to see a lot of guys. And there are, there are, some, there are some pieces – uh, on that defense that could, you know, make for a heck of a NASCAR package. On the other side of the ball, I I don't know for certain that they want to go tempo. I have heard that that was the hope going into last year, and they decided to, to scrap it. If you're going to do it, now seems like <clears throat> the right time because you do have a quarterback who can do a lot of different things. Um, so I would say uh, TBD on the offense, yes, on the defense. Yeah, for the offense, I think it'll be situational hurry up, but I think you'll still see a lot of huddling. Yeah, no doubt. All right, what do you got? Two more? Give me two more. Uh, I have one more. All right, one um, more. One more. Oh, actually, two more. One's quick though, because I, I think we've seen the questions already. Uh, at uh, or Jack Brocado, Brocado. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, asked, who do you think is more likely to step up next season, Statman or Badoki? And what do you think their their roles will be on the team next season? Um, I said Statman because we haven't really seen a lot of Badoki yet. I think we've seen a little bit more of Statman. Um, I, I think Statman has some skills. I mean, obviously, everybody talks about how good of a shooter he is. and He definitely has the frame. Um, I mean, he just needs to kind of add weight and experience and probably 
get more live at bullets in the pack line and just kind of adjust to that because it's I think you have to kind of play in games against other teams to, to really get a sense. But um, I think Stabbing's more likely. And honestly, it's a cop-out answer because I just haven't seen enough of Badoki to really have an opinion either way. Well, I think the fact that you haven't seen enough of Frankie probably is part of the reason, you know, it's, it's part of your answer, right? It's not just that, like, you don't have enough to go on. It's that he hasn't played a lot. And he was, you know, you, you forget that like, he was gone from the team for a little while last year. And I think that on the outside, there seems to be a contingent of fans who have a lot more expectations for Frankie and sort of uh, what his potential is, maybe than what the sort of react or circumstances, at least as they present themselves now, would seem to project, right? And I'm not saying that he's never going to be a factor. I'm just saying that anybody who, like, there, there just seem to be a handful of folks that I see talk about Frankie in a different way than I'd think about him. And that's not, again, no shade on uh, to him. I mean, like, look, if he comes out and balls out this year, that's great. And, you know, credit to him for putting in the work. In terms of, like, what we're, 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 we're talking about and trying to project forward, it has to be Stabman. This is a team that could really use a three-point shooter. This is a kid who clearly has that in his skill set. You know, he he needs to get bigger and add some some strength, some weight. But at the same time, there were definitely some flashes that you saw last year. You're like, OK, he's he's not too bad at being able to get to the spot he needs to get to um, play in in the FIBA tournament probably won't hurt him because, um, you know, that, at least if he's not if he's not getting, you know, live reps in the pack line, at least he's getting live reps against, you know, good competition. So I would say Stabman on it probably not that close. Yeah. Dave, anything there? No? no? No, I think you got it right. I mean, I think if, Stabman, <laughs> okay. if, you, if you look at the roster for next year, you know, it's three-point shooting that's lacking, so that's Stabman's strength. So if, if he doesn't shine next year, it's hard to – not impossible, but becomes less likely he's a factor. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think that – just one quick thing on this. I don't, I don't think that when we say, you know, this person's going to be more of a factor than this person, we're, obviously we're not ruling anything out. And also – I mean, UVA has now reached the point where they're at the pinnacle of the sport. Like, if a player doesn't play a lot and has to leave or, or um, you know, like, it's just not – like, it's hard to crack the rotation. That's not necessarily, like, the worst th- – that that player might just, you know, it, it just might be tough to crack a rotation of really good players. It's not necessarily an indictment of, like, recruiting or anything like yeah. that. Let's think back to last summer. None of us were saying, hey, Kihei Clark's going to play a huge role. In right, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a very exactly. good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. All right, last one. Uh, Dan Epstein asks, looking back two months later, uh, two months and then one extra week later because we answered this last week, uh, <laughs> favorite memory from last basketball season, way too early. What are you looking forward to about next season? I- I'm looking forward to the opener against Syracuse just because it's a brand-new team, and I think that's awesome to kind of look forward to. I mean, obviously – you're going to miss the guys that are gone, but I think th- there will probably be a different kind of excitement around this year's team where the pressure, there's not as much pressure as last year. And um, as somebody who roots for the Capitals, who finally, finally got over the hump last year, uh, it was kind of cool to go into the season without that monkey on your back and just be able to enjoy the games, knowing that, uh, you know, there will be tense moments in the postseason, but leading up to that, you can kind of enjoy it. And, you know, obviously talk about things that might not be going well, but, you know, at the end of the day, you you kind of you don't have that weight on you like you used to. As far as memory, um, I'll just kind of quickly say Minneapolis, the entire experience um, from the moment we walked out on the court to look at it before the Auburn game. That entire Auburn game was surreal. Um, the entire experience, and then Monday, you know, like even the build up to Monday, where we were like, "Holy crap, we get to go to a national title game and cover it," and UVA is playing in it. Um, 
and and then just the whole game itself was was phenomenal. Um, it's hard to pick one specific moment from that. Um, and honestly, it was a little too surreal in the moment to say that it hit me like what was happening. But I'd say probably just the first like kind of going out before the Auburn game and seeing that like this was actually the final four and we were actually there. Yeah, I mean, all right. For me, next year it's the it's the newness, right? It's Casey Moore. I've I'm I'm like the I am like the, the conductor of the of the the Casey Moore cell is going to be really good out of the gate train, right? And I mean, look, y'all can get on if you want, but the thing's going to roll forward. That kid's going to be a monster. Um, but I think it's the, it's the newness, right? I mean, it was so much fun to watch that team and watch those kids and cover them, you know, from the early you know commitment days and 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 through their careers, but it's kind of fun to see, you know, what they're going to do with something different. Ferber's point about not having, you know, having the monkey on your back, like this is going to be one of the weirder because of the losses. Virginia goes into next season, highly ranked, and yet no one will put, put expectations on them. They'll be referred to as a defending champ, but there will be no outside pressure. And so these, these young guys, as they get, you know, accustomed to being in this program and as other guys step up and become accustomed to kind of carrying the flag, like they won't have the pressure that these other kids carried into that UMBC season. Um, and so I just think that it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch a new group. And that's the thing I'm probably most looking forward to other than seeing whatever they do with the banner. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated by whatever choice they make, whether they give it its own or whether they just have a, you know, a national championship banner and it just has the year as if to say like, yeah, we expect to fill this thing up. Um, you know, the way they, you know, you would have, I think it'll definitely get its own. No, it should, but it would be, but wouldn't it be the most Tony Bennett thing ever to just have a simple little banner that says national championships and it just says 2019, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be like the most Tony thing? Um, in terms of favorite memories, um, I mentioned this on the podcast that never was, but, um, you know, Ferber and I walked on the court and he just turned and looked at me and was like, this is big. And I will never forget. Like, I don't know what it was about that moment. It was just, it was like, it was it was probably the honesty of it, but also just to like the surrealness. Um, like could, could anyone have said it any better? Like it just was, it was absolutely, it was huge. And it's funny because I've said this before, but like going into this thing, I always wondered why do they do this? Why do they have these stupid national championship game in this stupid football stadium? And you know why? Because they have to, because the, like you need all that space. And it, it was such an event and it was such a moment. Um, you know, I, I know that there were a lot of people who would love to have been there who weren't able to come, and I know Dave's among them. I know lots of people who are like that. Um, I, I don't say this to be mean. I just, you know, because you were there, whether you whether you knew it or not, you were there. You know, all of us who were there, we, you know, you were there with us. Like, uh, if you were a Virginia fan, I just remember growing up, and like how many times I remember going out of my house as a as a kid growing up as a Virginia fan, being just upset because the team something else happened. You know whether it's football or basketball, whatever, it, like something bad happened. And for a, for a week or two there, man, everything went right. You know, from 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 Louisville to to Minneapolis, both of those nights, it was just it was just absurd. And I think that the thing I will always remember in my most favorite memory might just be the fact that for once the absurd the, the absurdly good stuff happened and Virginia was the team that benefited, and I never thought that would actually be a thing. I just never thought. Like, even right now, sitting here, as we record this podcast, you know, knowing, like, they're going to be defending national championships, I don't, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, my brain still can't actually, like, attach itself to the idea that that's a thing that happened. I was there, right? I, I have it on my DVR. I still haven't yet to watch it, but, um, 
it's like because I, I there's a part of me that doesn't want to ruin the personal memory of it, right? The, like once I hear the commentators talk over it or whatever, like I haven't watched, you know, like I just want to kind of keep that what it is. But it still blows my mind that that's a thing that actually happened uh, in my life. It just it's still I, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever get over it. Um, Dave, you can chime in on that one, and then we'll move yeah, on yeah. to other. Business. I mean, as far as, as far as memories, like I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm at a place that there's not one memory from the entire run, like the entire run itself. Everything that happened from from being down big in game one and and being stuck at work and not being able to watch it because we were busy to the final buzzer. Like there were so many memories. Like I look forward to looking back on it as we get closer to next season, and I can kind of like the emotions are a little bit further away. But as a as a guy who's watched Virginia basketball for thirty five almost forty years, that I can remember. Like I'm older than that, but I can remember that many years of basketball. I'm not sure. Like my all-time favorite top ten moments of Virginia won't include six, seven, eight moments from this tournament run. So all of them. But um, just seeing Virginia fans, and you, I think you hit it on the head, Brad. Like it, it, it's not this feeling of like inferiority that you had as a Virginia fan. But if you had a player like Ralph Sampson, who's one, of the, you know, three-time National Player of the Year, and you can never get it done. Like you don't want to be Charlie Brown with the football, right? Like you, f- you figure it's it's never going to happen for you, for you. Like you know, you've got to be Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, or some random team that does it. And for your team to do it after what, as Virginia fans, you're conditioned to think the year before is more what you know you your team is, right? Your team is setting the bad record, not not making the comeback. So it, it's still surreal to me. Um, I wore my Final Four shirt today, and you know, I just kind of laughed when I'm like, "Man, like this thing happened." So, um, as far as looking forward to next year, I, I don't know. I mean, the newness, honestly, being able to play a game where the conversation won't be even leading up to tip off of the Texas Tech game. The conversation was, "This is the team that lost to UMBC." And, you know, next year it'll be there to defending champs. Um, I am kind of curious what the national championship ring is going to look like. You, you kind of mentioned the championship banner, but, but what's what it going to have like a like a silver signet ring with no diamonds? Like, how plain is that thing going to be? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It's just going to be blonde for Mamadi. <laughs> it's just going to be like yellow in the middle. Uh, before we uh, transition into new slash current business, I want to take our, our break and thank the folks over at Thorium Well for their support of the show. Do you own a small business? Do you have a hard time finding partners to help with the kinds of problems that you face every day? Thorium Wealth is a business owner's financial partners. Data-driven personal service focused solely on the needs of small business owners makes Thorium Wealth different. The advisors at Thorium Wealth have spent more than 35 years working with the unique financial challenges that business owners face every single day. Unleash the power of Thorium Wealth to help you and your business grow and prosper. You can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information and full disclosures. That's thoriumwealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. Our thanks to Thorium Wealth for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so I guess we should talk a little bit about Reese Beekman and Top 100 Camp and Jabri uh, Abdul-Rahim because it looks like, at least as of now, not only did Virginia get the point guard that Tony Bennett wanted in this class, but it also looks like the Cavaliers could be in a prime position to close out its 2020 group. I mean, I'm not saying that there's an expectation that the official visit that is planned for next weekend is going to lead to a commitment, but it certainly feels like maybe there's a significant amount of interest there. 
uh, for a kid who didn't seem to be really interested in or didn't at least outwardly talk about planning official visits. Man, he, he this thing happened quickly. Let's talk about Beekman first because I don't want to overshadow that because I do think that's a, a huge development for UVA. It certainly didn't seem like a surprise given the the Caleb Love visit got um, canceled and, and apparently never to be rescheduled. Um, there were some other kids who there was some interest in and then it just sort of uh, faded quickly. How happy are you, Dave, with Reese Beekman as the point guard in this class? And uh, we'll get to like what it means and, and such in terms of space in a second. But in terms of just strictly Beekman, have to be. I'm guessing you have to be thrilled that he's the dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tony's got a pretty good track record when he when he sees a point guard that he he wants to go after. You know, it, Reese was that guy this year, and he got him. So I don't know how you cannot be excited about him. You know, length, intelligence, you know, versatility, um, and you know, really good handles, and you know, a shot that I wouldn't say is elite level. It's not where Ty was when he when he left, but. Um, mechanically it sounds so shooters tend to get better here so I'm, I'm super excited about it and still kind of mind blown that you know i think it was what april 8th we won the championship and two weeks later it was like who's going to be on the team for next year now 19 you know we've added sam hauser uh mccoy walden tensei reese beekman sam and and now we might be adding another guy in a week and a half like that's insane to me we went from who's going to play for the 2019-20 who's to we're soon going to be talking about who we're going to recruit for 2021. Um, and Reese is a exciting piece to add, um, especially with what you saw with the three-guard lineups. You know, Adding him with Morcel and Walden Tensei for a year and Clark for another, what, two years at that point. Um, that's some exciting, yeah, some talent in the backcourt. Whether they reached the level that Kyle and Ty reached before they left, I don't know, but they certainly got the uh, the pedigree to do it. Yeah, I think that if if if, I, if there was one thing that stood out to me watching him live, it was, oh, I, I get it, you know, because like sometimes sometimes you 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 hear a coach can offer a kid and you're just like, I don't really see it. Um, but I I didn't watch Beekman long and in in terms of seeing him live. I mean, look, you can watch film of a kid, but until you watch him play. You don't really get a sa- the same sense, and like it didn't take long at all for me to go. Yep, that's 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 that'll work. Um, he's got length. He's quick. He doesn't he doesn't get sped up, even though he can speed up. And I think the whole sped up speed up thing is something Virginia hasn't had. Look, Ty Jerome was really good at getting the shots he wanted to take, but he also had to do that in spots, right? Like there were not going to be times where he was getting the the, the easiest shot. He had to work his tail off. And yeah, he's crafty as hell, but he had to be, and that's not a knock on him. That's him. That's him just being in the gym and, and putting in the work. I mean, you know, his workouts and his 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 ability to to fine tune these aspects of his game, um, I think is going to be legendary in terms of Virginia basketball history going forward. I think kids will 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 hear stories of him and his workouts and the way that he, you know, got the most out of uh, out of his career. You watch him in games, and you watch the subtlety in the the little differences, and the the way that he would attack his deficiencies. I, I think is is the blueprint, and it is the it is the bar for every Virginia point guard. The thing about Reese is that he he physically he has the gifts to be able to do things that maybe Ty couldn't do, but he has a lot of the same sort of feel um, attributes, and that you can't teach, and that's a thing that you either have it or you don't. 
Reese, I think, has it. And so his ability to, to, to speed up and still play within himself, his ability to play slow and deliberate, um, his length, I think, his, his, his shot, it, you know, it needs a, a little fine-tuning, as, as I think most kids would, would tell you it does. Um, he might not be a guy who's going to start, as I mentioned on the board, he might not hit a bunch from the Sabres at midcourt. But, I mean, late in the clock, he, he can go get you a bucket. And I think that is something that this team could really use, especially because, as I've talked about ad nauseum since the end of the tournament, Virginia's going to put three ball handlers on the floor as much as possible. I saw enough from Beekman to know that he can play on and or off the ball. Um, he, can, he can do a lot of good things in terms of facilitating. Uh, and I, I think Virginia fans should be extremely excited. What you, would you think of the pickup, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys kind of hit it all, Dave. I mean, uh Tony knows how to get point guards. Like he's just good at it. And Beekman's a guy that have you know UVA fans and recruiting people have circled for a long time as a person that would you know a player that would be a good fit for them. And I, I think you can see it. I think um, you know he's got that ability to, to you know to distribute, and then also you can kind of see where he would fit in in a multiple guard system where they're playing a bunch of guards off the ball. Um, I think he fits in nicely with what they already have in the class and what they will potentially get in the class. Um, and yeah, I mean that next year's team obviously will be a bridge and they could still be really good. Um, but the team, you know, the year after that, I think that's, that's going to be a loaded team now. And so with that commitment and I mean, look, I love the fact that the kids said basically, look, we, you know, it's been that way for a while. My mom and I just decided to to say it. It did at first. It felt like a like a like a planned thing, um, because you know Norm Wood, uh, you know, uh, breaker of news, first of his name, uh, king of JPJ apparently, uh, managed to his little tidbit in a story in advance about top one hundred, um, but it just. It didn't necessarily feel so much as it like the kid was ready to sort of move forward. And I watched him that night in front of the cameras before he he had announced it, and he didn't seem all that comfortable. So it makes sense that it would kind of get out the way it did. So what that does for UVA in terms of the class means they only have at least as of now they have one spot. And we're not I'm not going to get into like oh, you know so and so could transfer and what would that mean? Like there's really no reason to do that until it actually happens, right? So we're gonna play we're gonna play on the on the on the on the facts which are that virginia has one scholarship to use and certainly at least right now whereas keon johnson henry coleman clearly names that we've all heard clearly names that virginia's been focused on for a long time it seems like abdul rahim has i don't want to say passed both of them but he certainly put himself in a conversation and tony bennett to his credit has always been a bird in hand recruiter he does not he does not wait around for the thing that is probably pretty sure he goes after the kids he likes and, and the ones that say yes he moves forward with them Abdul Rahim stayed after for an unofficial visit per, per Corey Evans um, and then going to take an official visit next weekend. If if it is Abdul Rahim, whether he commits on the visit or shortly thereafter, if it's him and we don't even get to August 6th to hear what Keon Johnson has to say, will that be problematic for you, Ferber? Do you, are you okay with it being him versus Johnson or even Coleman? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean – like you said, if the staff trusts him, and he's—I mean—he's a good player, so I don't think there's any you know debate about that. I kind of understand the people that think you know maybe Tony should kind of try to get the guy that he thinks is absolutely the best fit of the three. But if you feel like they're all pretty good fits and they're all talented, and you think you can mold them into what you want, then I think the bird in the hand approach works, and and it's worked in the past for UVA, and I think it can again. And um, in this situation, I I don't think it's 
you know, I don't think it's like a good situation versus a bad situation. I think it's more of like a preferential thing. And I think, honestly, I don't think there's a bad option out there of those three. Right. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. I mean, I'd be fine with any, any of the three. I mean, I, I'm a big Henry Coleman guy. Just like, I, I like any guy that hustles as much as he does. And, but, and, and I like, you know, his mom's a Virginia, Virginia girl. And, you know, it, it just feels like he's a part of the family. Like at some points you're like, well, he's not committed. Is he <laughs> like, because he's, we've been talking about him for so long. Um, and, you know, Abdur Rahim kind of snuck up on us. Like, you know, my my focus had been Johnson and Coleman. Um, so I just started to dig into highlights of Abdur Rahim since the since the camp. And he is good, you know. He I mean, if you haven't watched him, he I, we haven't really talked about it off air or anything else about his game, but um and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, because you just watched him several times this week. But you know, he's not uber athletic, he's not an above the rim guy from the wing. But he, he's multifaceted. He seems like he's pretty comfortable playing with the ball in his hands, decently comfortable playing without it. Um, and if you think about it, like him and Johnson, I think Johnson's probably a little more offensively gifted at this point than than Raheem is, like more polished. But I think both of them kind of play the same role on Virginia's team where you're going to have multiple you know, multiple wing guys, whether it's guards or, you know, or, or a player like Raheem. So... I think they're interchangeable. Whichever comes first, I'm fine with. Uh, Coleman's still a question mark for me. I just like I like his toughness. Um, I, li- I like a lot about him. But if Raheem commits, I'll I'll be happy because I, I feel like the staff has gone, you know, been patient with with Henry as he kind of waits out whatever he's waiting out. You know, that's him. That's his it's his process. Um, but the staff never, you know, forced him to commit and continue to recruit him. So someone else comes in, maybe 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 there's a spot open for him next spring um but i do really do like raheem's game and i I like how it fits in with the pieces he'll be playing with because i think he is versatile i think i think he can you know he can be a big two he can be a you know a big three he can be a little four like there's a lot of things you can do with him so and he's obviously got you know a a father who had a very successful career as well so yeah he kind of reminds me of dre in that way where it's like you can kind of see the potential for him to play multiple positions Honestly, the player that I kept thinking of when I would see him, and obviously this, this player's not completely the same, but I kept thinking Mikel Bridges, who played at Villanova. Um, like, he's got those long arms and can kind of, like, get to the he, – he can just make plays with the ball getting to the rim, and you can see, like, the versatility there. I mean, and I think, honestly, just – I don't know, but just looking at him, I feel like, you know – if he gets a year or two in the UVA like strength and conditioning program, that he could end up being like a DeAndre Hunter type player. Um, yeah. Obviously, the shooting might not be quite the same, but you have to remember DeAndre didn't come to UVA like a forty-four percent three-point shooter. Really, I mean, he kind of developed that over time. Yeah, I don't want to be blasphemous, but and you shoot me down if I'm wrong, Brad, since you saw him. I thought he looked a little bit like Malcolm coming out of high school. Um, a little hitch in his shot, you know kind of a layup game more than a dunk game but you know the ability to get up i see a little i see a little malcolm in his game i don't it takes a lot to train become what malcolm became but i like his game a lot uh, I, I don't think you can turn him away 
it seems to me that the best way to describe the kid might be to say that he's like a Justin Jackson meets Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? Like he has yeah. this, the thing that yeah. I don't, the thing I don't, the thing that I was tripping on at first when I was watching his game and that I just kind of kept stumbling over which he, he does this little thing where he hunches his shoulders when he dribbles. And I wonder if that's not just a product as I, I think I said this on the board of just a guy who grew and he's still adjusting to how far the ball has to come back up to his hands. And so he feels more comfortable if the ball is lower Right, so he kind of he has a tendency to hunch his shoulders a little bit when he when he drives. That can be cleaned up. He has an innate ability to score, and he can finish, you know, at a high high level. And so I think that as you as you sort of track this going forward, he, I, I think comparing him to Malcolm is a little hard because Malcolm was was a just a different body style, and that 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 tended for me at least to to dictate a little bit um, sort of how I saw him. Malcolm, I never thought was a true point guard, but he could play the point. I think the best way to think of uh, Abdurrahim is to think of him as a point forward uh, who isn't quite as big as most point forwards are, but he's still long, and so he's got a good first step. He can get to the rack. Um, pretty good shooter. He made he made next. He, I think he finished second in terms of the number of three pointers made at the camp. It wasn't a great shooting camp by any stretch. So I don't I don't want to make that sound like it's like he was a Kyle guy. He's not, but he can shoot the three. Um, but I think Jason Tatum, Justin Jackson, that's kind of the, the the sort of ballpark that you're looking for. And I understand that I just named two really, really good players. But, I mean, look, look at this kid's offer sheet. Look at, you know, he, his, his ranking, whatever service you're using. Like, he's he's a very well-sought-after guy. I think if if of the two, I would still take Keon Johnson. And that's not a knock on Abdul Rahim. I just think Keon Johnson, because he's able to do so many different guard-like things, like, I would trust Keon Johnson to bring the ball up. I would do that with Abdir Rahim in some spots. I probably wouldn't let him initiate my offense a lot right away. Keon, I would. Keon is a much better shooter. Keon, I think, is a is a better, a slightly better athlete. He's a little more explosion off the floor. But I also think Abdur Rahim plays the game in a t- with a toughness that I think would fit Virginia's style. That's not to say Keon doesn't. They're very close to me, and I would just barely give the edge to Keon. But at the same time, man, Abdur Rahim's really, really good, and if that's what they get. That's a hell of a 2020 class by by far. Yeah, I, I don't know that either player is a you know necessarily a four year guy because they're both super talented, right? Um, I, I could kind of see. I, I like Keon games, Keon's game a lot. I just I don't know how important having another guy who can bring it up is when you've got you know you'll have Beekman, yeah. Clark, and um, Morcel on the team who can do that as well. So. I do like the this extra size you get with Raheem, and and you guys know from our text thread, like I wasn't, I wasn't sold on Raheem a couple of days ago, but yeah, the more you, I you watch come, him, the yeah, more I listen to, to him. Yeah, you come to this um, over in time. I, also, yeah, he interviews really. It well. seems like a Virginia guy. Yeah, he's a yeah. yeah. He's a he's a he's very, very polished. Yeah, he's, I will say he was very like he 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 had a couple times where you could tell he there was probably more he w- could say, but he didn't want to. But like his answer about Virginia recruiting him. I thought it was just perfect. You know, he basically he he ends it with like that he was appreciative of them for recruiting him. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so look, and then this, he was talking to Jeff Goodman about like the rule changes, and I was like, whoa, this guy like knows the rules better than me. <laughs> like, right. you know, well, and he's also too, about, oh, they got rid of the live period, so it has this effect here, and I was like, oh, okay, like he knows the stuff. And this is a kid who's you know he's ste- he's steeped in hoops. I mean, and also too like he's lived in a bunch of places. Somebody asked him, I think J.C. Zimble from our NC State site, who was interviewing him for the Michigan site, 
um, asked him a question about, you know, where's home? And he said, Jersey's home, but he's lived in a bunch of different cities because of his dad. And so like, he's, he's not, he has a different perspective. And this is, if you think about Virginia's roster, it's full of dudes with like different perspectives. Um, in terms, you know what I mean? Like in terms of, you know, there's international guys, and, yeah. you know, it's a, it's an international roster. It really is. And so like, if you think about the way he could fit, it would make a lot of sense. It, they have, you know, he told me, you know, hey, look, they, they talked to me about a DeAndre Hunter role. Could I see him playing the four? I, I think I could if Mike Curtis gets a hold of him. But he's not, he's in a different spot at this point in his development than Dre was. And I think he's, do I think he's like, you know, lottery pick talent? Probably, he's on the cusp of it. Um, Virginia does a pretty good job of developing guys. Um, and speaking of, let's, let's jump to the NBA draft. Um, Going to be a big night tomorrow. Um, as we see where everything falls now, I, I don't want to get into per se, like, you know, Oh, what are you hearing? Like, I don't, I just like, there's an NBA draft, like, um, lane, you know, if people are super into it. Uh, so I don't want to get too in the weeds about, you know, everything. I do think that the trade Anthony Davis and the Pelicans and everything does tr- change the trajectory, um, a little bit, because I do think that before that happened, there was a pretty good chance that the Lakers were going to take Dre at four. Um, but in general, let's let's start here, Ferber. In terms of the NBA draft, have you ever been this excited for an NBA draft? I'm guessing maybe if the if the Wizards were picking up really high. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they have picked high, but honestly, in those years, it was pretty like I mean, when they had the first pick, they were going to take John Wall. There was Kwame Brown. Well, that's that's going way. Uh, but like I mean, when they took John Wall, it wasn't a lot of drama. Like it wasn't like oh, I want to see where these guys end up. You know, the Bradley Beal one was cool because that's a guy I wanted, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited to see where they go. I mean, very excited for them, obviously, and and it's going to be cool, if, especially if Kyle gets drafted and they get three. Um, you know, that that's a big thing for the program. I'm I'm sure in the negative recruiting world or in the positive recruiting world for other schools, depending on how you look at it, there's a lot of you know we send more more guys to the league than they do from other teams like Kentucky, North Carolina, whatever, and that's true. But I mean, the more people. Get, UVA puts in the league year after year, and I think this would be like six of the last seven drafts or something crazy like that. Um, I think that you kind of start to raise your profile. And then when you get guys like DeAndre who could go in the top five um, and then another potential first-round pick and tie, and then you add that with guys that are already in the league, uh, Joe, who you know won the three-point contest, and then Malcolm, obviously, who won Rookie of the Year and is, is a known commodity at this point. I think that's big for the program, and, and I, I'm, I'm almost more excited. I hope – I mean, obviously, I think, you know, everybody's excited for the dra- them to get drafted, but I'm excited to see where they go and, you know, how they're going to fit in with those teams. As a devout- I'm excited because it's a draft, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like the NBA draft. It's all in one night. I mean, it's it's entertaining. I and mean, you get in the second round, and it's a lot of foreign guys that you've never heard of, and, and you know that half of them won't play in the league. I don't really like the draft Twitter from the people that don't watch college basketball. Um, yeah. That sucks. Where it's just like, you know, it's a lot of hot takes or like drive-by opinions of one guy or two guys or whatever. It just it yeah, and you old. have to balance. You have to balance your Twitter. Like, if you want to watch the draft and kind of learn, like you have to balance it because they're not going to do the hold it. Like they're going to be, Wojnarowski is going to be tweeting tomorrow night the pick before it happens live. So. Yeah, you got to weigh that. Um, Are they giving him his it, own like channel, like his own feed? Uh, I don't know, but you know, last year he he agreed not to do it, so it was kind of a joke. He would 
he would make comments about a player and wouldn't say yes. it was a pick. Um, Which I'm, this I'm year, they're not going to do it because Steinberg beat him out on a few last year. Uh, I, I'm a little interested in the draft just because obviously you got three Virginia guys that are in play. And then the ACC is going to have a really good night. I mean, there's so many guys we've watched play over the last, whether it was this past season or the past couple seasons, are, are likely to get drafted um, tomorrow night. What yeah, I've probably looking... seen more of people in this draft than like any other draft. Oh, yeah. like every, I agree. I know like seventy percent of the names, you know, or I've at least seen them played multiple times. Right. Yeah, no, it, it no, helps no. that the ACC has like a hundred teams now too. But um, <laughs> the <laughs> what what I'm not looking forward to, and the one thing I wanted to say, I think Dre's going to fall tomorrow night, and it's not because I don't think teams value him, but I think because the Pelicans have that pick now, and they really don't need it. Um, yeah, I don't think they want it, and I think there's some teams who who feel like they can, they can move up. I don't think Dre's someone you move up to four for because I don't think he excites a lot of, like you know, it's going to probably be Garland or someone like that to get. Yeah, he's like the most solid, so it's yeah. like you don't really move up for most solid, but Garland is like a high upside kind of player that yeah, I because I think yeah exactly I think Dre is a, a better player than Culver and a couple of those guys, but if you've got Dre and Culver on the board, you really move up to take one when you could get the That's other true. one lower so i don't want virginia fans to overreact my guess is dre probably drops to eight or nine tomorrow night um yeah. i'd like to be surprised oh please drop to nine i would be <laughs> very happy about that i don't think i don't think he gets past atlanta if he gets past cleveland i think he drops to atlanta um but i was gonna who say knows if, I, who knows if atlanta still has that pick they may move true. up to four and take garland so I, I i realize i just said like five minutes ago that uh i didn't want to get too much into the weeds here but I read a we report. We love the draft. I know. I read a report that basically said some, to, something to the effect of that Dre and and Guy were both being identified by the same team. That they they were yeah gonna, they were going to basically. I don't, I, don't that was, that. I don't believe that. That's some Twitter account <laughs> with like three thousand followers. I yeah, and also how do you? They said they're zeroing in on Kyle Guy with the fifty fifth pick. You don't zero in on anyone in the second <laughs> round. Like, well, if you're outside of the lottery, you have no idea who's going to be available. Well, no, okay, I, I you're going to decide on Kyle Guy, and then, like, no, I you know, agree. Far I just, do y'all think Kyle gets drafted? I do. I think I, it's 50 50. I think, I think he does. I think he gets drafted. Although, I do think, in talking to different people at, at Top 100 Camp, it did sound like he had a, a range of really good workouts, and then he also had some that were just really bad. Uh, there was this one, I forget which, it was a West Coast team that he had, and he, like, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And they were like, what is this? Um, but he had some early where he like couldn't miss, and so they're gonna be. He's gonna be a really interesting piece. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to impress every team; just one, you know. That's right. But the thing, the thing is, like, you have to. Everybody looks at this stuff in a vacuum. They do the same thing with the NFL draft. Like, you know, uh, let's say Charlotte, for example, or Sacramento sitting in the fifties, which I don't think he'll get drafted before that. Um, but you know, they really like him, and they. Maybe even think like, okay, if he's there, he's probably going to be our guy or he's one of our guys. And then somebody else that they like more falls, like just the way it goes, right? I mean, there's always – that happens all the time. I mean, in all sports, in all drafts. Yeah. So you can't you can't just like guarantee that, you know, like, okay, well, this team really likes him. It's like, okay, well, maybe they, they do, but some guy they didn't think they were going to get fell to him. You know, so I don't want, yeah, but even he's going to get signed. He's going to be in camp, and that's what really matters. I mean, you want him to get drafted, but I think he'll be okay either way. I remain convinced. Yeah, I'm not sure he gets drafted either. <laughs> I remain convinced that he he stayed in the draft not because he thought just that he was going to be, but I think 
he fully understood the the, the likelihood that he was going to get picked, and then you know he'd have a two way or something like that. Um, that it was about more than just this draft this year. I, I, and, I, and I and I sort of want to dovetail that into like a personal request. If you are listening to this podcast and you have some sort of social media presence or feed or whatever, like don't don't at the kid if he doesn't get drafted and tell him you know he made a, like don't be that person. Like he he made a decision for him and he's going to be the one that lives with the ramifications. Certainly Virginia fans would love to have had him back. And, you know, we can talk about that till the cows come home about what he would have meant and such and such. But like in terms of this decision, like let the, the kid made his decision, let him have it. Like let, you know, be excited for him. If he gets picked, you know, if you want to, you know, I don't know if you feel the need to, to say something to him, which I, I still think is weird, but if you feel the need, you know what, to give him some words of encouragement, but don't be that person who like adds him and says, you should have stayed. Cause this is like, this decision he made to come out is not a decision that, 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 that the arbiter makes a yes or no on tomorrow night. Like just what happens to him in this draft does not dictate whether or not he made the right decision. It's, it's the course of his career. It's the course of, of what he got out of his life. And he's the one who should be in control of that. And so I, I just, I implore folks to just be decent human beings. And I'm not saying that I, I would expect Virginia fans to be different, but I've been on social media long enough to know, and people randomly will tag me and stuff. So I know the things that people say on these, in these settings is just ridiculous. And so if you are, so if you are even thinking about it, please hear my voice. I promise you it will be, it will be okay. If you don't send that, it will be totally okay. Um, we should talk about Ty though, because Ty is probably going to be a first rounder as well. Um, which, you know, I don't want to say it's kind of under the radar, but um, I mean that dude. That dude really, I think, sounds like he pushed himself even more into the conversation for the first round, maybe than a lot of us thought. What's your expectation for for Ty tomorrow night, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's probably like a seventy percent chance he goes in the first round, sixty, seventy percent. Um, it seems like he's drawn a lot of, uh, especially like the teams in that range. It seems like he's had a lot of really good workouts. I know that he hit 84 of 103 in Boston. Um, I, I think he goes to Boston, Philly, or Milwaukee. That's just a guess based on where the picks are, who has them, need. Like, I don't know anything. But I think he goes to one of those places. Um, those are the ones you see him, you know, with the most likely. You know, maybe I've also seen San Antonio a couple times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's going to have a long NBA career. I think he, he brings a lot to the table that, uh, from a competitiveness standpoint that will, that will keep him around for a long time. And I think that he has, he's underrated in terms of the skills. Um, I, I think a lot of it, like from an eye test perspective, he might not blow people off the, you know, he might not, you know, blow people away with, you know, his physicality, but. He, he can get buckets and, and he can distribute. He's a great passer, good leader. Um, his defensive abilities have grown by leaps and bounds over his time at UVA, good basketball IQ. So I think he'll go somewhere probably between pick 19, 20 and pick 40. Um, and I think that, you know, whatever, wherever he ends up, I think he'll make the most of it. I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah, he's interesting. I, anytime you're in that, you know, mid to late first round thing. Who knows? Like you can easily go on the second just by some team yeah, that sure. some team that liked you picking a foreigner that no one had heard of, um, or having someone drop into their lap. So, 
you know, he, he's going to get drafted tomorrow night, boring some shocking surprise. And whoever gets him is getting him a heck of a player. Like, you know, they always talk about, you know, you know, Russell Westbrook and, you know, you, you look at those kind of, that kind of athlete as a guard in the NBA. But, you know, it's an 82 game season and a lot of those playoff games are decided by the bench. And, you know, if Taza got off the bench, like, I don't know. I mean, he could, I don't know that he'll work himself to be a starter next year or the year after, but um, he, he's a really good piece to have on your team. And I think he's a guy that you're going to see show up on Sports Center during the week, during the season, just because he's so consistent and, you know, he, he abuses people and he's competitive. So I'd love to have him on my team. And I'm glad we did. Yeah. Um, I don't know where he'll end up. I mean, it'd be fun to see him end up with Dre or with Kyle or with Malcolm somewhere. Um, but, I mean, he's going to end up somewhere tomorrow night. I'd be I, shocked if he doesn't go in the first round, but I wouldn't be. Well, I mean, I guess I'd be shocked <laughs> from a talent perspective. <laughs> yeah, I but I wouldn't be shocked, be shocked from not shocked. that's the way the NBA works. You yeah. know, it's, uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon wasn't pricked in the first round. So, mm-hmm. um, well, also, have. we have a tendency, like any fan base, I'm sure, to look at our, look at like the guys in front of us who are these three guys, right? I mean, you forget there's all these other people in the draft. <laughs> that's I mean, true. There's yeah. a ton. Of, there's so many other people and in, in interchangeable parts. And then there's a million trades. And then I hate that the trades aren't real because like you can't announce them until I, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like the way the NFL, the way the NFL does it is so much better. Yeah. I agree. If you tweet at us enough tomorrow, maybe Brad will let us do a three-hour live stream of the draft, as we say. Who's that? No, don't know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oz Little, did he even play this year? Yeah. I do want to say though. Of all the kids I've covered at UVA, I don't know if I've ever thought that that one of them was built more for the NBA and the grind than Ty Jerome. Like that dude, even from Jump Street, was just he, he just had he just had whatever it like not necessarily just like from a physical standpoint, but just in terms of his mindset and the way he approaches it. Like Malcolm is a cerebral dude, but Malcolm is also like low key. And I feel like you have to sort of carry a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and also, like, have supreme confidence in yourself if you're going to play at that level. Not to say Malcolm doesn't have it, but it doesn't necessarily always come through. Like, he doesn't – it doesn't, like, ooze out of him. Like, Ty Jerome, like, he legitimately feels like uh, he can will something to happen. And th- you know what? In his heart of hearts, he probably thinks he will Virginia's national championship to happen. You know what I mean? Like, that's just sort of the dude he is. And you kind of want a guy like that on your team. Like, that's what that's what it takes to be a pro. Like, to be able to 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 work on your game as hard as you have to work on it and be as, as, as like, laser-focused on it as you are and also handle everything else that comes with it. Um, I'm just really excited to for him. I'm excited for all three of them. I'm excited for Virginia fans to 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 find new NBA teams to pull for. Um, I'm excited to see what J.C. Penny suit Trey wears tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, see what Tony Bennett. I mean, Tony Bennett's gonna it's, be it, there. I mean, it's, dude, it's gonna it be is, that's gonna be weird. He's gonna be like, "Can I go home?" Or like, I just feel like he, he's like the most not draft. Sort I just hope I just hope they put Tony like at a ta- Dre and Tony at a table next to Calipari so we can compare and contrast. <laughs> speaking yeah. of speaking of dudes, imagine a scenario where Dre gets picked like third or some nonsense fourth, whatever it is, and they have to do the interview with him. I mean, he will be like, I'm, I wonder if he's done any like prep for that because that's a huge moment. And you know, Dre is a quiet dude. Like he's not somebody you know. Like I could totally see a scenario tomorrow night where Dre gets picked like with the seventh pick in the NBA draft. He becomes a multimillionaire. And he goes home and watches SpongeBob. Like he's just, he's just a, you know, he's just low key like that. And uh, that that interview should be uh, interesting. Um, put them both together. But it won't be, be even better. It, 
it won't be ridiculed because Kawhi Leonard just that's took true. Kawhi, to the yeah. championship. So. Well, also, well, you can also, be weird like and the good. people in front of him. I mean, like assuming it's Zion, John ja Morant, and RJ Barrett. None of those guys are like. You know, they're not LeVar Ball. <laughs> like, they're all pretty low-key. True. Um, from Especially RJ Berry. But my my hope for the draft, honestly, is that um, is that Ty goes to one of the big, new like, East Coast markets. Um, because I feel like he has that mentality. Like, to... He does. In Boston or, like, the Philly. I don't like those teams, but, like, I just... I think he'd be a good fit there just because... He has that chip on his shoulder. I think they would love him in places like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, not to say they wouldn't like him in Indiana. No, no, no. I got you. Yeah, it, it fits the mindset. I, I think he they would he would be like a perfect fit for like the Sixers or something like that. Yeah. Well, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Give us a rating and review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can read uh, my three takeaways from Top 100 Camp as well as our features on uh, Abdul Rahim as well as Reese Beekman. Um, you can watch some scouting videos I've posted of Beekman uh, and Henry Coleman as well. I've got I've got some footage of, of, of Jabri, but I don't have as much, but I do also have some of Efton Reed, which I'll be rolling out later this week. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously be talking about the, uh, the draft tomorrow night, and uh, I'm sure that there will be no, no, no shortage of hot takes. Um, also want to remind folks, if, um, if you have any needs for any sort of gear, we are part of the uh, affiliate program with Fanatics, which means that if you hit the link that's in the show notes of your podcast app right now, or if you use the link that's inside the content item for this episode, you can not only hook yourself up with some gear, but also help support Cavs Corner in the process. So that's not just UVA stuff. There's plenty of national championship stuff left, but also, too, whether it's UVA football, um, college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, whatever it is. If it's at Fanatics, use that link. It helps us out. So very much appreciate folks who have done that and will continue to. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show, especially when I uh, have issues. I definitely hit the record button for anybody who makes that joke. Um and I also want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. I appreciate Ferber, you know, giving his time for an episode that nobody got to hear, which kind of sucks. Um, but we'll be back with you next week to talk about um, who, who knows what we'll talk about next week. Probably some NBA draft stuff and um, football recruiting's picking up because it's that time of year. So we will we will talk to you hopefully in a week uh, as long as, you know, as long as that records. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.